morning, Grace 412. It is Thursday. We had an awesome night at Life Group last night, opening up in this new series that we're calling Broken Leaders and how God used them. We actually started our student leadership group again at six o'clock as well, which was an awesome way to set the foundation for what we talked about last night. Um, we really want to start to push these students to leadership. We don't want them, those that are juniors and seniors, to just uh, move on to mediocrity. We want them to excel. We want them to thrive. And even for uh, us as grown adults, we, we've been called to lead. We've been called to to set the, the next generation up for spiritual success. And so a lot of times we think of ourselves as um, as just followers or just servants or just employees, but the reality is leadership is just influence. And so for all of us, we've been called in some way or another to use that influence for good. We've been called to lead. And so in this series, Broken Leaders and How God Used Them, we're going to be talking about um, people that were um, not really qualified to lead, people that by man's standards would not have been considered great leaders, people that um, were not extremely skilled or had broken pasts or had um, ailments or had uh, reasons that they shouldn't be put in positions of leadership that God still used to further his plan. And spoiler alert, we're going to see how we're all broken, uh, but how God still uses us to further his plan. And so last night we talked about Moses and the calling of Moses. Uh, we laid the foundation for backstory. You guys know the story that Moses was uh, born into slavery. Um, you had Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the promises of God to his people. And you had Joseph and how the Israelite people uh, over time had become enslaved to the Egyptians. Uh, the Egyptian Pharaoh didn't want the Israelite people to overpopulate and overpower them. And so he started having the first or the uh, the sons of the Israelite people uh, killed when they were born, drowned. And so uh, Moses' mom wanted to save him. And so she puts him in a basket. She sends him down the river. Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. She keeps him as her own. Moses' mom ends up actually nursing him and being um, hired to take care of him, so to speak. And so Moses grows up in the house of Pharaoh. Uh, he's taught by the people uh, within the palace. He's grown in the Egyptian customs. Uh, he grows to kind of resent this in a way. He ends up killing a guy. He ends up fleeing to Midian, marrying Zipporah, having a child with her. And then he spends probably about another 40 years working for her father there in Midian, a few hundred miles away from where he was born and brought up, a few hundred miles away from his people in the land of Egypt. And so we pick up in Exodus chapter 2 and uh, verse 24, where God uh, pursues Moses. And it says this in Exodus 2 and verse 24, And God heard their groaning, the Israelite people, their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Now Moses kept the flocks of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a of bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And so you see this, this uh, verse 24 promise here that God had not forgotten his promises. God had not forgotten the promises that he made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He had not forgotten his covenant with his people. Remember, God told Abraham, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. 
And then over time, you see Isaac and Jacob, and even through Joseph, God was proving himself and providing for his people. But then over time, as it, it continued in the story, these people were then brought into uh, slavery, and they were being oppressed, and they were in pain. What we have to remember as we're talking about broken leaders, that when we don't feel like we have much to offer, or we don't feel like we have potential to lead, or we feel like we've missed out on a chance that we had, or we feel like things aren't working how we think they should work out, or we feel like things aren't going the way that we think that they should go, we have to remember that God is the author of the story. It said Israel was groaning. They were in pain. They felt forsaken. Things weren't going according to plan. God hadn't made good on his promise yet. They weren't a great nation. They were being enslaved. But verse 24 of chapter 2 says, God remembered his promise. He had made them a promise. He had written the story. They were going to be a great nation. And now hundreds of years later, the people are in captivity. And the guy that God is going to use to lead them out of Egypt, out of bondage, is on Exodus 3.1, on the backside of a desert, tending to a flock. But the, the important thing for us to remember here is sometimes God uses the backside of the desert. He uses the places of loneliness and brokenness with no resources and no concept of God's greater plan. And he uses those moments and those times and those challenges to prepare his leaders for the next point of promise. And so that's what happened. God appears to Moses. He's in a burning bush. He says, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And then you look at verse 10 and he tells Moses the plan. He says, come now, therefore, and I'll send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth thy people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, who am I that, that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Then he said, certainly, God said, I will be with thee, and this shall be the token unto thee that I have sent thee. When you have brought forth thy people out of Egypt, you shall serve the God, thy God upon this mountain. So God tells Moses the plan. In verse 11, Moses responds and says, who am I that you would use me? Who am I that I should do this? And this is important because initially this seems like humility. But as you study this story more deeply, we're going to see that this was not humility. This was fear. This was excuse making. This was insecurity coming out of Moses' mouth. Moses was saying the right words, but you see his real heart in the rest of this story. See, broken leaders make decisions out of insecurity rather than humility. There's a small but important difference here. Broken leaders make decisions based out of insecurity and not humility. Humility keeps our focus on God's power and on his promises. See, Moses' words were not wrong to say, who am I that I would be used of God in this way? That's humility to say, I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. I have made mistakes. I am broken. That's humility. But humility puts the focus back on God's power and his promises to say, I'm not any of those things, but you, God, are, and you are the author of the story. Insecurity says, I'm not these things. I can't do these things. I can't be these things, and I don't have the ability to do them, and so I'm going to just dwell in this insecurity and it will never come to pass because of that. That's insecurity. Humility keeps our focus on God's power and his promises. Insecurity puts the focus on our power and our abilities. And so Moses's words were right, but you see his heart 
as he continues to press back against God. He says in verse 13, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, I'll say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. They'll say to me, What's his name? What shall I say to them? He says, Hey, I'm going to come to them and, and say, God spoke to me. And they're going to be like, Oh, God spoke to you? Oh, well, what's his name then if he spoke to you? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. He said, This is what you'll say unto the children of Israel. I am hath sent me unto you. So Moses says, hey, what do I call you? And God says, tell them I sent you. They know who he is. They know his promises. And then God goes on to explain to Moses literally exactly what's going to happen. He says, hey, the people of Israel are going to believe you, and Pharaoh won't. Verse 18, he says, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am, and they shall hearken unto thy voice. Thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and ye shall say unto them, the Lord God of the Hebrews has, sent, has met with us, and now let us go, we beseech you, three days' journey out of the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, uh, who has sent me unto you. And I am sure God says that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I'll stretch out my hand. I'll smite Egypt with my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. See, God tells him exactly what's going to happen. He says, the Israelites will believe you. Pharaoh won't. I'm going to stretch out my hand. I'm going to plague them. And then he'll let you go. See, God literally tells Moses exactly what's going to happen. Once again, proving he is the author of the story. He has already set the plan into motion, and he is going to be the one that brings it to fruition. It proves again what we said a couple weeks ago. If it's not God's plan, you won't force it, and if it is God's plan, you won't stop it. God says, I remember my promise. He said, tell them that I am that I am sent you. That's referring back to himself the same way as when he spoke to Abraham. The same way he said before Abraham was, I am. Remember it said, God remembered his promise to Abraham. And now here we are years later. Moses says, who, who do I say sent me? And he said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The one that promised to deliver you. The one that has already written this story. The one who has the plan and the provision and the purpose that is going to be worked out through you. And so you look back then at Moses' response, chapter 4 and verse 1. Moses answers him and says, But behold, they're not going to believe me. They will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they'll say, The Lord has not appeared unto thee. Moses says, No one's going to believe me. No one's going to believe that you spoke to me. You see the difference? This is no longer humility. This is insecurity. God says, They're going to believe you. Pharaoh won't. Moses says, There's no way they're going to believe me. Broken leaders make decisions out of fear rather than faith. Moses is no longer living in faith. He's living in fear. And you see, it's the same difference again. Faith keeps our focus on God's power and God's promises. Fear puts the focus on our power and our abilities. You see the difference? Moses, in, in, in humility, could have said, I'm broken. I'm incapable. I've made mistakes. I've killed a guy. I have speech problems. They're never going to believe me. But I know that, God, you have made this way. And so in faith, I'm going to step out. In faith, I'm going to follow your direction. In faith, I'm going to stick with your plan. But instead, he's insecure, he's fear-filled, and he said, there's no way they're going to believe me. Fear puts the focus on our power and our abilities. All the great leaders in the Bible, though broken, made decisions while afraid, while in the fear. 
they still acted in faith. Esther said, hey, I'm going to go before the king, and if I perish, I perish. You don't think she was a little bit scared of what was going to happen? But she lived in faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow before a false god. You don't think they were afraid of the fiery furnace? They, they, they didn't want that to happen, but they were acting in faith over fear. Paul said, hey, I'm willing even to die. Jesus said, hey, let this cup pass for me, but, but not my will, but yours be done. He was so tense about the situation that it says that he sweated drops of blood, but what did he do? He acted in faith over fear. Living in faith doesn't mean that we'll always know the next steps or that we'll know how something's going to turn out or that we know how someone will respond or how things will end for us. Living in faith means that we are trusting the unknown future to a God who we know is in complete control. And what's beautiful about this is God doesn't scold Moses. Instead, he still continues to prove himself to Moses. Moses says, there's no way they're going to believe me. And so verse four, uh, two of, of chapter four, God says this, the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? Moses says a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. It became a serpent and Moses fled from it. But the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand, take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, he caught it and it became a rod in his hand again. And God says that they may believe that the Lord God of your fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob has appeared unto thee. God says, what's in your hand, Moses? Moses holds out a staff. And that same staff that Moses had used to herd sheep on the backside of the desert was eventually stretched forth over the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted. It was used to hit a, a rock and the rock produced water. It was held in the air and God made the sun stand still. It was what Moses already had, but God was willing and ready to use that thing. And then Moses says, hey, God says to Moses, hey, put your, your hand in your coat. And Moses takes his hand out of his coat and it's got leprosy on it. He puts it back in, he takes it out again and it's healed. And God is saying to Moses through these signs, through these wonders, through these miracles, what you've already got is all that I need to do what I have called you to do. God isn't asking you as a broken leader to be perfect or to fix every little detail about yourself up so that, that someone else might like you or, or he's not asking you to develop some skill that you don't have that seems completely unrealistic or unattainable. He wants you to use what it is that he has already given you, like Esther, for such a time as this. He's already given you what you need to do, what he is calling you to do in this season. And he's proving that to Moses here and now. But you see Moses' last push here, chapter 4 and verse 10. Moses says this, Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and I'm of a slow, slow tongue. He says, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't speak clearly. I stutter. I, I'm slow of speech. I, I'm not a great public speaker. He tried, I'm not worthy to do this. He tried, who do I say sent me? He tried, what if they don't believe me? And then God turns a, a staff into a, sta a snake. He, he gives Moses leprosy and then heals him. And now Moses says, but God, I'm not good at public speaking. Broken leaders only see roadblocks rather than pathways. They focus on what they don't have rather than what they've been given. They focus on what stands in the way rather than where they're headed. And we do the same thing. Just like Moses, we say, I can't be a leader because I get shy or because I get nervous or because I'm not smart enough or I'm not strong enough or I'm not patient enough or cool enough or popular enough. 
I don't know enough, I haven't done enough, I haven't seen enough, I'm scared, I'm weak, I'm broken. And to all those things, it's like, yes, we are broken. Yes, we are flawed. Yes, we are weak. But to all those things, God responds in the same way he responds to Moses. He says, who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh thee dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Have not I the Lord? Verse uh, 11 of chapter 4, God says, hey, I made you. I made your mouth. Are you saying I messed up when I did that? And then chapter 4 and verse 12, he says, now go therefore, I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. God says, I made your mouth. I knew that you had that flaw. I knew that you were going to be slow speech. I knew that you were not going to be great at public speaking. He says, I still want you to go. I didn't mess up when I did that. I want you to go and say what I told you to say. I'm going to give you the words. I'm going to do the work. Maybe just maybe God allowed Moses to be the way that he was for the same reason he gave Paul a thorn in the flesh. The same reason it says that we have his treasure in earthly vessels so that the excellency of power might be of God and not of us. Maybe he gave Moses this this weakness. Maybe he uses broken leaders so that the focus wouldn't be on us at all, but it would be on him and who he is and what he's doing. And even still, if you know the story, you know Moses says, well, just send Aaron. He can do it. Send my brother Aaron. And what's crazy is that God had also been preparing Aaron's heart. And we know how the story plays out that Moses and Aaron do go. They do tell the people of Israel they're going to be freed. They do stand before Pharaoh. Pharaoh doesn't let them go right away. God does plague them. Then they do get sent out. And then they cross the Red Sea. And you know all the story from there that it happens exactly how God said it would happen. Because once again, God is the author of the story. And he is always at work. Trust him. Follow him. Submit to his plan and his process for his purpose. Spiritual leaders understand that God can use them, whatever they've done, wherever they are, with whatever they have. And so what's our application? The first application would be understand that we are all broken. And that's a good place to be, to know that we are broken, that we are constantly in need of the redeeming work of Jesus and the Spirit working in and through us. But we don't have to lead like broken leaders. We're instead going to do what? By God's power, we're going to choose humility over insecurity. Humility says, I am broken, but I am focusing on God's power and God's promises. We're going to choose humility over insecurity. That's going to lead us to choosing what? Faith over fear that yes i am a little bit nervous yes i am unaware of how this is going to turn out but again i'm resting on god's power and god's promises and then lastly we're going to see pathways instead of roadblocks we're not going to look at all the things that are going to keep us from doing god's will we're going to keep our eyes fixed on jesus the author and finisher and perfecter of our faith and we're going to pursue him above all else We're going to choose humility, we're going to choose faith, and we're going to see the pathway God has laid out for us. That's how we can make a difference. That's how we can be used of God. Though we're broken, though we're scared, though we don't have it all together, we can have spiritual influence by leading others to the one who is perfect, the one who is powerful, the one who has made a way, the one who has already done the work, because in our weakness, he is strong. 
So that's our goal this week. Less of me, less of me, less of me, less of me, more of Jesus. That's how I want to lead today and every day of our lives. And so next week, we're going to be back at it again, studying this series, Broken Leaders. We hope to see you guys there next week. Mm -hmm.